So if you are somebody who is in a B2B business, if you're somebody in any business, uh, now's the time to listen up. Today we're talking about listen, innovate, grow. We're talking to Michael Haynes about what it's like to actually work and build the strategy in terms of going to market, talking to your potential prospects, your potential consumers, starting to think about what your stadium pitch might be and starting to think about what's really meaningful for the people that you're going to be starting to converse with. Business these days is all about communication. It's all about contact. Things haven't changed. We still need to be in a place where we're actually talking to people, we're actually building relationships and that's one of the key points or takeaways that I've got here in this interview for you. So welcome, Michael. Yeah. There's your yeah. intro. Yeah. If you go to, you know, I just think about like, let's pick a mid-tier builder. Yeah. They're a project management company. Yeah. They've got 20 full-time staff and they're tendering on government work. Yeah. Um, like we'll help them get all their doc, you know, they'll get their documents ready, we'll certify them, whatever. But in their business, who's the relationship lead? Yeah. Who's the entrepreneur? Who's the technical expert? Yeah. Then when you go across and you say, from a, um, you know, from a, um, from from a target perspective, yeah. say you're targeting Service New South Wales, say you're targeting defence, yeah. say you're targeting hospital work, health yeah. work, New South Wales police. In that organisation, who's the decision maker, who's the executive buyer, who's the internal influencer? And that's the area that everyone wants to gloss over and no one wants to spend the time and you have to do the due diligence because you have to get it right. And that's the part everyone, when I, they're dealing with startups, I'm dealing with small, medium business, everyone want, just wants to get, I need the meeting. Michael, I need the name, I need the meeting. And you need to go to those meetings armed and ready and you have to know who's involved. Even if you're dealing with a fellow sole trader, because a fellow sole trader nowadays will have their uh, um, you know, CFO or CSO that they've gotten through Expert 360 who will be able to refer to to say, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? You have to do your due diligence and know mm -hmm. who are those people and then cater all your marketing and your discussions around that. But that's a step everyone wants to skip and they just want to get into the meeting and say, talk about me, this is my product, this is why you want it. And it doesn't work that way. So you know what we've done today? Yeah. We have a Google Sheet set up because we've got a, like a mid-cap market strategy yeah. in terms of you know, targets, if you yeah. like. We've got a Google Sheet where we're going on LinkedIn and those titles are the headings for the columns. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's company name. Yeah. And then it's those titles. Yeah. And we're actually putting those names in yeah. and we sit down on a Monday. Next Monday is going to be the, like we've been trying to like get a strategy going for a couple yeah. of months. Yeah. On Monday, we'll be swarming those individual yeah. people yeah. in terms of what our strategy yeah. is. Like who's and connected with who, what's yeah, happening, absolutely. who's in whose network. And you just have to be mindful though that sometimes everyone thinks, oh, I have to go for the CEO, and that doesn't work that way because often the CEO will delegate, and they might delegate to a project manager, a business analyst, okay, I'm delegating for you to vet the alternatives and tell me, you know, you know out of 20 suppliers in the market, who are the three? I mean, I was doing some work um, with, an, uh, SME, with a corporate insurance company on their small business strategy, and so the... Um, CEO delegated it to this, the chief marketing officer who delegated it to the research manager to say, okay, you, in conjunction with Michael, you guys vet who should be the market research supplier for this half a million dollar project, and then you just tell me the two I should talk to, and I should look at, and we'll go from there. So you can't assume it's always from the top in terms of who are those influencers, those decision makers, and those influencers can have a lot of power, because often the decision maker just wants to know, do I go with A or B? 
and they will rely on those people. Tell me why? Because um, they're only concerned about the KPIs. Uh, but you know, it's those uh, in mid-level who are doing the doing that will be responsible for liaising with that product service provider and making sure that those KPIs are met. So yeah, so doing that is fantastic. Uh, you're one of the few companies I've seen come across it because everyone just wants to skip and just get to the fun bit of you know having the discussion, and they think it's always at the top. And in larger organizations, that's not necessarily the case, because mm -hmm. often they will defer to people they well regard in the organization, and that could be an analyst, project manager, what have you, to um, provide a lot of that input. And you have to spend the time and know your company, know your market, and be able to figure out who's who in the zoo, and then be able to position your content and, and your discussions when you're going to have those meetings accordingly. What, why do you think that... Um you know, you've been there, I've been there. What, why do you think people want to skip that step? Um, because it can take a fair bit of work, because often if you're going into a new industry, you will have to spend time, you know, actually getting on the internet and going on and looking at, okay, the um, Australian Marketing Association and, and going through and going through some of those reports to figure out okay, what's happening in that industry, trying to figure out. It, can, it takes a little bit of research and legwork. Um, uh, which is yeah, your good old-fashioned research that you'd often be learning about at TAFE and uni. You have to spend some time doing that. Because in this day and age, you have to go even to the coffee meeting, you have to go armed and ready. And I don't sign up to this thing about, oh, go to the coffee meeting and say, oh, Kobe, what keeps you up at night? I'm supposed to know what keeps Kobe up at night, what business practice certification is having their issues on, and then I'm supposed to give you some advice, point of views to help you. You have to go to those meetings armed and ready. This nonsense about what keeps you up at night, what's challenging you. No, you have to know those things already now, and it's expected that you have that knowledge, and then you're adding some advice. And it's providing that information, that advice, that point of view, challenging them, then that's how you build traction. You get the engagement, the trust, then you can start talking about your product service. Um, but often folks just want to go to the meeting and just skip the meeting and have nothing to talk about. And mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do, and particularly when you're getting into medium and large scale organizations, busy execs, so the last thing they want to be coming to a coffee meeting and you have nothing to talk about. Like you're asking them those kinds of questions like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. will be a very short meeting and you probably won't get another chance. You really have to go in armed as a peer to the CEO, as an mm -hmm. advisor to the CEO. Mm -hmm. And that's whether you're a sole trader, whether you're a startup, whether you're an established, small, medium-sized business. When you're making those contacts, you have to go in. And you have to give value to get value. And you have to have that. And it, take, and it takes a bit of legwork um, in terms of having spending the time to get up to speed. Um, and that's often the stuff that people don't want because it's not the fun stuff. But it needs to be done, because you have to go in armed and ready. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, your competitor will. Mm -hmm. and, and I think. To, to just to add a bit of a point or add a point to, to to what you're saying there that applies to all levels like what Michael's put in his book here is you know he's he's breaking down the team in in the b2b scenario he's breaking down the team into saying decision makers executive buyers internal influencers change agents corporate sourcing or procurement users and blockers I think it would be fair to say and my approach is going to be to actually look at try and anticipate as best I can, and you can confirm this in that coffee meeting, but you want to anticipate, what are the things that keep all of those people awake at night? Absolutely. Like, you know, that's the anticipation, right? Yeah. It's like, don't just go, you know, and I, I get people, you know, DMing me, on, DMing me on LinkedIn all the time saying, hey, you know, I want you to sell my stuff. Like, you've got lots of clients, sell my stuff, or you've got lots of contacts. Mm. You know, it's, they're starting to, you know, they, they don't call it influencer marketing because they don't realize what they're doing, but they're saying, hey, you've got lots of followers on LinkedIn, you've got lots of attention, you're making lots of noise, I want you to make noise about my thing. But you still have to give value to get value. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And if you're an influencer, 
even when you're dealing with an influencer, you still have to demonstrate that you have value to add to their brand to help them achieve their objective. Influencer marketing in a B2B context is about us helping and working with each other to, um, for, for mutual benefit. So mm -hmm. it's sharing content, talking about what we're doing respectively, um, sharing about events we're organizing, and perhaps collaborating, co-creating. But it is about a win-win. Uh, it's about a collaborative um, relationship. It's not about just saying, hey, Kobe, you've got thousands of followers. You know, it does, you, yeah, it, it's about mutual, yeah, it, it has, it's about that whole mutual exchange, collaborating, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, so um, take us through your, like, let's take a couple of steps back in the conversation. Sure. Um, take us through the, um, where's the best camera angle right now, though? Okay. Oh, take, it, take us through your thoughts on, you know, when you're initially starting to, like, a, you know, maybe a client approaches you or an organization approaches, a prospect approaches you, yourself, um, how are you doing your, um, how are you filtering your pipeline? So, you, you know, you've got a bit of attention, maybe, you know, someone's referred something to you, um, you know, you're doing a bit of social media and someone reaches out to you. What are the questions you ask yourself in terms of when that prospect's standing in front of you? Uh, I will often have an initial conversation, usually a short conversation around 15 minutes or so, and I will try to tease out where they're at, what they're trying to achieve, um, where are they having challenges, you know, and what exactly are they looking for in terms of assistance, you know, what are you looking to do? And from that initial meeting, initial discussion, I can um, determine quickly whether they're serious or not. Um, because sometimes folks are just contacting you because they just want to maybe leverage your contacts or, well, Michael, you've worked in Canada and I'm going to Toronto, so perhaps you can. So you can, so by having that initial conversation, you can find out where they're at, how serious they are. So I tend to have that initial 15-minute conversation and then, depending on how, how that goes, then I might proceed to the next level of conversation. Um, but I, I'd like to do that kind of initial, a bit of vetting to find, um, to kind of see where, where they're at and what they're trying to achieve. So, so talk to me about like, you know, for you, what's your, what's your ideal, you know, in terms of doing that vetting, what are you looking for in terms of the ideal client? Like, you know, in terms of what, where they're at? So my ideal client um, is, yeah, so my space is all about working with startups and SMEs, and I mean small and medium businesses that are looking to um, either get into the B2B space or improve how they're performing in the B2B space. And so I'm really looking for clients that have that right mindset. So um, they know they want to grow. They know they have to take some action and make some investment, which might be a, a financial investment and or actually getting involved and doing the work. They, and they have that mindset, so they may not um, they know that there's a willingness, there's a recognition that if I'm going to grow, I have to make an investment or time, effort, and money. I need to be strategic, but Michael, I'm not sure what I need to do or how to do it. So it's really about working with clients who have that right mindset. Um, that's really what I'm looking for, in addition to those firmographic things about being an SME or startup or even mm -hmm. a sole trader that wants to get into B2B. But it's really that mindset because that's a key to having a good working relationship. That's a key for them to be successful because I can recommend things. I can do, and I'm very big about getting to an action plan stage. So you do need to do your research and understand your market customers and get a strategy. 
Uh, I believe your strategy should be fairly succinct. I'm not into, even though I've worked in corporate land, having pages and pages of these PowerPoint decks is absolutely nonsense. Um, and for startups and small medium business, we need to have focus on big on prioritizing to say, this is our overall strategy. But based on your resources, based on your priorities, let's focus on activities A, B, and C. And then let's see what you need to do to achieve those. So I'm big on really getting things to an action plan level. But then there's accountability to you as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, to actually make that happen. Um, I'm happy to discuss and I will work with them about ways they can achieve that. But it is about think, plan, you have to execute. And it's often in that execution where things can get a bit funny. Whether I'm working with a corporate client or I'm working with an SME, it's often in the execution where you get degrees of dedication, commitment, that's where it can fall. That, that's where it can often fall off. The, and personal trainers have those issues at the yeah. gym, right? Yeah. You know? Like yeah. it's, it's, but some it's, clients it's humans. Are, yeah. Yeah. But some clients are more proactive to deal with that than others. Like mm -hmm. I have a law firm that I deal with in Toronto. I have regular quarterly meetings with them where it's essentially on Skype and we're having basically an action review, an action planning session to say, what do we did? What's working? What's not working? What has to happen next? Just to help help them maintain that activity and traction. And it's with their team. So I'll talk with the marketing coordinator and the, the client services team and just to make sure things are moving along. So there are ways that you can um, help facilitate that. But at the end of the day, it's still will come down to the client and his or her team to actually mm -hmm. say, based on the action out of that monthly, that quarterly call, are you going to execute and deliver mm -hmm. to that or not? Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, um, in the time that we've known each other, how would you say that you've evolved your skills of influence, like to, you know, to, in an attempt to get a more successful outcome, like on, on your side? Like what are some... Oh, I, I've done a total, Kobe, I've done a total, a total repivot. So, through that. So um, uh, I'm a big believer in terms of innovation, it's about business innovation. And innovation is this word where everyone talks about um, moonshot innovation, new technology. I'm talking about business innovation in terms of ways you can improve and introduce new things, either improving or in introducing new things into your business. So I started my original business to, to Excel back in 2011. From then to now, I've done a lot of innovating in terms of, from an organizational perspective, I'm doing strategic partnerships and working with other service providers. Um, marketing innovation is probably where I've done quite a bit. Uh, in terms of the book, doing a lot more uh, videos, um, doing a bit of influencer marketing, but really truly collaborating with influencers, um, doing a bit of product innovation as well. So I have some different offerings that I provide. So I've been very much trying to practice what I preach, um, but the mar I would say the marketing innovation in terms of the book and really um, being uh, doing a lot more of the uh, content marketing and leveraging some of that influencer marketing um, it's all of those things combined um, that has really helped me to take things to the next level and to get more visibility, mm -hmm. more respect, more credibility, and now mm -hmm. it's just kind of how to, uh, uh, and now things are moving uh, in the direction that I'm wanting them to. Still more to do, but um, uh, but, uh, but definitely, yeah, um, it's been from doing that kind of business innovation that has made, because yeah. even those, even small changes, uh, and you, if you have the consistency and focus over time, the, um, you will get those benefits. Like social media, it's something you do have to deliver good content and be consistent about. Um, but over time, eventually it will start to kick in because you'll have someone that will reach out to you to say, Michael, let's collaborate about doing this. Come on to be on my podcast. And so it took about a good 12 months of consistent doing the videos, writing the articles and all of that. And then it just started to 
turn over. But for a while, when I first looked at me, I was like, what's the point in all of this? Sure. But then you start getting more followers and the right kind of followers. I don't have a massive social media following, mm -hmm. but in terms of given my target audience and what I'm trying to achieve, I am very, very happy with who I have. And I'm now collaborating and I've reached out and now it's turned into face-to-face -face engagement where we're talking about how we can collaborate, doing podcasts, coming up with new offerings, what can we do to really help you know, startups and SMEs succeed. So it takes time, but then at some point you'll reach that turning point when things, you're starting to see, oh, this is starting to work, and momentum breeds momentum. Absolutely, yeah, like Malcolm Gladwell talks about The Tipping Point, you know, it's yeah. a great book to read. So, so um, in, do you think that that momentum and do you think that um, you know that work that you've put in? Because you know I can say that it really took our YouTube channel two years, like two years of solid work before yeah. we actually started seeing results, and we're now like four years down the track. Yeah. Um, so you know, really from that perspective, you know, we went all in, and people were like, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, and then we've just taken it to a whole nother level yeah. again. Yeah. But but do you think do you think that momentum that you're building and that attention that you're starting to now get, do you think that's helping you with the actual project? So when you're actually working, because that's the place I want to explore is, like, I, I guess what I want, you know, the message that I want to get across here is in, if you guys read this book and if you guys go through this material, like, this is gold. What's inside this, you know, these pages is, you know, th this is, you know, years worth of work, uh, years worth of secrets, tips and tricks in terms of, you know, strategy that I'd also argue that it's no different if you're B2C. Like, yeah. it's got a B2B lens on it right yeah. now, but... I'd almost argue that you can take 75, no, 85% of this book away and actually apply it in a B2C you could totally strategic apply, objective. You, you could totally apply it to B2C. Um, I've uh, focused on B2B. Because, I get it, I get yeah, it. Uh, because there's a lot of opportunity, because I'm really big and passionate about our people of startups, sole traders, SMEs to really succeed. And B2B has massive opportunity because in big corporate land now, that old adage of no one gets fired for hiring IBM, those days are over now. Business buyers are very open to working with us as sole traders, as niche providers, because they see we have the hunger, we deliver. We deliver excellent quality at a fraction of a price of some of those larger uh, my, some of my larger colleagues that will remain nameless, but we do deliver. And so there's that recognition. So if you know the dynamics of how to approach these organizations, big companies now are very much open and willing to work with us now because they know that we can deliver. But you have to understand the dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the book, I'm very big on trying to practice what I preach. So I, even with my own target market, I'm constantly reading to understand what's going on with startups and sole traders and uh, SMEs, entrepreneurs. I do, I do my research from an academic perspective, reading the reports, I try to get out and interact through having events, going to events, talking to people. So I'm very much trying to practice what I preach um, in terms of doing some of the kinds of different kinds of organizational uh, innovation, marketing innovation. Mm -hmm. It just keeps me on top of my game. It allows me to be authentic and it allows me to be very comfortable talking about what I'm doing because I'm seeing what works, what doesn't work, what you have to do. And I've made mistakes and are making mistakes because you do have to constantly reevaluate, pivot. Um, so it just allows me to be a better educator, practitioner, consultant by just doing what I say you're supposed living to do. Living it. Yes. Living well, it. Living it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's the that's the, 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 the takeaway there is in terms of just living it in terms of if you want 
you know, your organization, your thing, your what, whatever you guys are doing is like to live it every day. Yes. And I think absolutely. a lot, you know, a lot of people are getting paralyzed, like they're back in the analysis paralysis around, oh, I don't know what to do and my pivot and whatever it is. It's like, just fucking get in and just yeah. get going. Yeah. Um, just do it like yeah. Nike, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you, have, you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to, you know, you'll need to do some thinking, some planning, but you do have to execute mm -hmm. and then monitor and see what's working, what's not. And then, cause things are going to change. Where you start with your original strategy and where you get to over time when you start to get momentum and succeed, you will have some learnings and you will realize, oh, doesn't work this way. My, my strategy has to be this way. And I've been experiencing that over this past um, this past year, um, it's particularly with how I work with startups and what's the best way to work with them and the things that I need to do. So you're constantly learning as you're engaging and you're interacting and you're having those, uh, you know, 15-minute consultations, those long, you're learning, it's like, okay, and you're putting all those pieces together and you're constantly pivoting, refining. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's an ongoing. So this listen, innovate, grow, it's not a project, it's a one-off. You constantly have to be... It's a, evolving. It's a yeah. yeah, and you constantly have to be doing the listening piece, which mm -hmm. is the piece that yeah, yeah, many yeah. folks don't want to do, but it's yeah, very yeah. important. Yeah. So, so tell me something. If you if you think about, um, there's been a there's a debate going on today on LinkedIn, for example, around, you know, is it goals first? Is it purpose first? Is it you know, I'm saying get in and do it and just get going. You know, you're saying a little bit of planning first and then get into it. Um, you know, I've, I, when we talk about our world, the ISO world, if you like, yep. like plan, do, check, act. Yeah. I actually argue that it starts with do because no one really thinks it through properly. They just yep. get in and start doing it. Yeah. So tell me something. Is the planning easier if you've got a little bit of data? The planning is always easier if you have a bit of data. You just don't want to get... I still believe you need to, you do need to do the doing, you do need to do some planning, but you don't want to get caught up in the analysis paralysis. Yeah. Um, look at, you know, talk to a few customers, look at a few reports, and you know, you do a bit of planning, but then you get out there and do it, and then you pivot as you go. Um, so, um, and data definitely makes it easier clarity, how to focus, because we as entrepreneurs, as SMEs, you know, we don't have the big budgets of corporate. So you need to know where, to, you know, where are you getting most bang for your buck in terms of your marketing, what really works for you. Um, you know, I've had people tell me, Michael, you need to be on Instagram and you need to be on Facebook. And for me, I found from an online perspective, for me, LinkedIn is a forum that has worked for me. For other businesses, it may be different. Um, now, I, you know, um, I could try and be all places everywhere, but I do realize I do have, I am a sole trader, I have limited budget, I'm gonna focus where I get most bang for the buck. And for me, LinkedIn is where I've been getting the traction with the right kind of people that I can also track to revenue as well. So yeah, I have a bit of a presence on Facebook, I'm not on Instagram at all, but the people that I'm dealing with, I also know, mm, it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I'm sometimes dealing with, uh, you know, MDs of engineering firms, professional service firms, they're not, that's not how they're going to go about, um, they're building their business, they don't operate there. So it's, yeah, it's about having that clarity and focus and data can help you uh, get that, but you can't get subsumed and spend all your time doing analysis. So do a little bit of analysis, a little bit of planning, but then you have to get out and execute. Because then that's how you see what's working, what's not. Mm. I've had a view for a while, and, and I just want to talk again about page 36 um, of the book around the categorization of the team that's going to be on the other side of the table. Yeah. So you know, you know, largely there's a lot about there's a lot about the 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 go-to market strategy in terms of you know what we're talking about here is, 
you know, the marketing, you know, this, this, is, this is predicated on the context of marketing, if you like. Um, and we're talking about the categorization of the team members on the other side of the table. So we're talking about decision makers, executive buyers, internal influencers, change agents, corporate sourcing, users, and blockers. Um, I've had this view for a period of time around Instagram as an example. We're not on Instagram for our decision maker. We're not on Instagram for our change agent. Yeah. We're on Instagram for the influencer to do the social proofing on us, which is because the influencer might be the 22-year-old or 25-year-old that's been asked to go do the research. Where is that? Where does that play out in, let's go talk for a little while, let's just talk about your experience in big corporate. Where does that play out? Like where does, where does an organization in the B2B space, like say you're an SME, for example, and you're targeting big corporate. Yeah. How does that play out? Like, like if, you're, if you flip yourself back onto the other side of the fence when you were in big corporate yeah. and, and an SMA would come, SMEs were coming in to talk to you, talk me through that strategy. As how they should approach it. Yeah, well, like, what, you know, you're on the receiving end in big corporate. Yeah. And then, you know, the big engineering firm, for example, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to make a decision to, to, to focus my attention because Instagram's not my thing, just as a case study. I don't want to go too micro in this, in this yeah. conversation. But where... It, 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 you know, in terms of tactically how this plays out, you're targeting a large government department, for example. Right. And you're starting to look at, you know, maybe it is an engineering firm. Maybe we can talk about an engineering firm that's targeting a large government department for an infrastructure project, for example. How do the... How does an engine, You know, someone leading an engineering organisation or people in looking at the project, they're working with you, how do they go to market to look for where the attention is? So, so one of the clients about getting, getting into big corporate, corporate it's really about, okay, okay let's, let's figure, figure out, okay, 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 okay what industries we're focusing on, on you know, what's the companies, companies and, and then um, depending, depending on what's top, top of issue, issue let's, let's try, try to isolate and get an understanding of what's kind of top of mind, what are some of the key issues that they're working on about. For example, in big corporate now, there's a lot of things around data analytics, marketing, automation, so we're looking for service providers to really help them assist that. So then let's get a really strong understanding, understanding of, okay, okay what, are what are some of those drivers, drivers within that particular industry, let's say financial services, within the particular company, what are is it that they're trying to achieve? So we have a really understanding of what's going on, then working out, okay, who do we think we should be potentially talking to? And that's where your LinkedIn can come in to help you identify how are you going to penetrate into that organization? Because it may be the CMO, but it may not be necessarily. So we try to figure out, okay, where are some potential, potential, initial potential entry points? And then do you have connections in there so we can at least get that initial conversation, have that initial meeting where you can start talking about some of their um, challenges, um, you know, what are some of the things that they need to do? And so you can get that conversation started to demonstrate the relevancy. Then it might end up being that you have a meeting with that initial person they may say, well, this is really good. They hopefully will start to see the connection of how you can add value, what you can do, but they're not the right person. But that's when they can then facilitate the introduction and say, okay, now I've got to get you to talk to person X, let's say the head of research and insight. So mm -hmm. it's about doing that research, trying to determine what's a potential point of contact and then to have that initial discussion. And then it's then maneuvering and then going, going from there. Okay. That makes sense. From a tactical perspective, when we're talking about tactics, yes, let's rewind the the, the VHS video. Okay, yeah, ten years. Yes. Let's go back before DVDs. These guys don't even know what I'm talking about because all <laughs> they get is Netflix. <laughs> let's rewind the videotape back ten years. 
to a time when you know B2B's uh, tackling big corporate. Tell me about a marketing tactic that worked, that no longer works. Like just a simple tactic that B2B could have done to attack big corporate or approach big corporate that used to work that no longer works. Well, see, Kobe, I'm going to challenge you and flip the opposite. See, a lot of the tactics that did work back then still work now. Like if you want to get cut through to significant, peop um, significant people in an organization, it's about giving information, advice, and value. Old postal mail, sending something to a decision maker, postal mail, sending it express post, and paying that extra $2 that so they have to sign for it. Uh, and then following through is a good way to get to the very top. And I myself have been very successful this year getting through to some CEOs that way by spending that $15 and sending it courier mail where they have to sign for it. And then you give them something of value of interest. Um, and you're, you don't talk about, and you make it all about them. This is how they can help you. And then you do the follow-up. And EAs, executive assistants, are your ally. They're your best friend. Um, that old school tactic works extremely well. Um, I told you about Stu Heineke's book, Get the Meeting. He's a big advocate. That's part of his big thing, uh, contact marketing, and it does work. But again, you have to deliver value and you have to show the relevancy. You have to do that upfront work to know what is that piece of information, advice, article, what have you, that you're going to send to that person. You have to make sure that it's relevant. Uh, but that gets so much cut through. So much cut through. Um, because when they see something that comes courier and have to sign for, it's like, oh, it's of importance. It gets, it gets attention. So um, I argue a lot of the old school does work. Because people get inundated with emails mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So things such as that can really help. Leveraging your executive assistants because they are the ones that know their boss's schedule. They know when to, you know, when to squeeze you in, what's going to work, what's not work. So following up, being very polite, cordial with them because they can, they can be the biggest blocker or they can make meetings happen and make free up diaries where there's no space available and make things happen. So a lot of the old school tactics do work because in this day and age, you have to have online and offline as part of your marketing strategy. And I do feel everyone thinks it's all about digital. Digital is a means to give you reach and give you visibility, but the ultimate aim is still to end up having that coffee meeting, to have that, that, that sales consultation. It's still to have that um, old school engage. It's still about getting to the old school meeting because that's what gets the deal across the line. At the end of the day. Yes. And I am a big believer. I, I've often told people sometimes you have to be prepared to have the $500 lunch or the $500 meeting where you may have to fly from Sydney to Perth to have a meeting face to face because it does a couple things. One, it tells them that you're serious. And if you're a sole trader, a startup, a small business, when you make that effort, that in and of itself, people will take, they will take a double check, like, okay, they're serious, that's number one. And that's often how you really get a lot of your good information. You can, um, you can get things across the line. You can really understand what they're all about. You can build that relationship. You can learn about what you need to do next. Um, but you have to sometimes be prepared to, yeah, I'm going to go to Melbourne for the day. This may work, it may not. But it can be quite the game changer. There's only so many things you can do via via digital channel. Digital has a lot of purpose, but in B2B, you still have to be prepared to do a lot of things offline. So do you think that, you know, I think I know your answer to this question, do you think that, you know, people are lazy and they're looking for the silver bullet? A lot of people are lazy for the silver bullet. A lot of people are, are what's in it for me. And you have to give to get. 
and you have to invest to grow and you have to be prepared to make those extra efforts. Um, I flew to the Startup Canada conference last year for a one-day conference. The person who was coordinating, someone made a comment to me, well, you're not going to fly to a conference just for a one-day conference. Well, there's 1,500 people in my target audience. Yes, I'm quite happy to give Air Canada some of my money. Oops, shouldn't be mentioned brand. And I flew across. We can mention brand. Yeah, I was quite happy to do so. And I made a lot of connections there um, that some of those took a while to come to fruition. But now there are a number of people within the Startup Canada community that I'm collaborating and working with. So sometimes you do have to make that effort to, and to most people, it's like you're going to do what? You're going to travel 24 hours? But you have to, you have to make those extra effort because it's about differentiating and standing out. And the reality is lots of people now want to be the sole trader, want to have their own business. And so everyone's doing the same growth hack growth hacking tactics they mark so you have to differentiate and you have to be prepared to do things different and make that extra step and people will recognize um, when you do do things differently or you make that extra effort it is recognized mm -hmm. um, and it helps you stand apart but you have to yeah that extra investment mm -hmm. so so if we talk about um, in the you know targeting you know obviously you're through the you're through the EA and you're thinking about value. Can we do? Can we maybe do something specific around a specific case study where you worked out something that a specific, you know, without naming names, that a specific business leader, maybe not a, maybe not the decision maker, but the executive buyer, for example, to use the categories. Yeah. Can you tell me something? Maybe can you think of somebody's name without naming names and just say, just maybe tell the audience what specifically they valued. Okay, well I can think of uh, in an IT context, there was a couple meetings going through and uh, one of the key things for the decision maker was really very much um, and what got things across the line was really around service and support and what happens when things go wrong. And this um, technical officer was very big at, on saying, okay, when things go wrong, when we get customer complaints, how is this going to work? You know, how are you going to fix it? And he was very, very, very pedantic about knowing, so how do we get communicated? What are the channels? And so it was all of that service and when things go wrong, when things screw up, how's it going to get fixed? When it's going to get fixed? How are we going to communicate? That for him, that was really the clincher to get it across, um, to get it, to get across the line. So. Um, Again, it comes back to really understanding who are those people involved and what are going to be some of the triggers and levers, um, and knowing uh, and and always be mindful of what could what could be uh, any uh, sources of inhibitors or reject, uh, things that will make them that objections to make them not want to buy. You have to be prepared for those because that's often things that they're often thinking about in the background. Mm -hmm. So you need to, um, to be proactive to think about those things and then not just have the right answer, but it's about having the right processes, system, service levels, um, uh, and, and standards in place so that you can take all of those okay. Where do you see the line drawn between, you know, what we're talking about here in Listen, Innovate, Grow and, say, sales training? Okay, so I'm not a sales person. I often get asked about sales techniques and I'm really all about doing all the upfront in terms of identifying who you should be really focusing on and getting clarity in terms of the industry, the the industry, the market, the customer and who are those potential decision makers and then fundamentally I'm really about helping to answer three questions. What you're supposed to deliver in terms of your products, your services, your value adds, the information and advice, um, service and support, 
how you deliver, so in terms of the quality of your customer experience, how you deal with problems and complaints, all of those things, sorts of things, and then how do you promote and engage with your business customer? Uh, because that's where you really need to make sure, are you providing them the right kinds of content, information based on how they make decisions, where they seek for information, um, are you facilitating the right kinds of engagement um, how and with whom they want to interact. It's really those three key questions that I help um, clients uh, in terms of helping them to get success in the B2B space in terms of, yeah, uh, what to deliver, how to deliver, how to promote and engage. Then, then the sales piece um, kind of follows on, kind of follows on from that. Uh, because in today's in B2B today, you sell by not selling. It's about value, it's about giving information, advice, it's about being helpful, it's about showing relevancy, it's about building trust. So it's about all of those things um, as opposed to old school selling. It's about my product, why my product's so great. It's all about the customer, what's in it for them. Your value proposition is the business outcomes that they're trying to achieve. Yes. And so for those of you who are watching and listening that are coming from a tech startup background, it's not about you know the technology and the methodology. It's what business benefit is that person trying to achieve and it's really showing how you can add value and help them do it. It's about, it's from the customer's perspective, that end game perspective. It's not about the product, the feature of the benefit. That will come secondary, but to really get cut through visibility to get that engagement, it's all about the customer, lead with the, you know their needs, their objectives, what are they trying to achieve at outcomes, and you tackle it from that first. Yeah, so, so we talk a lot here about the concept, the, the, the significant difference and the importance of the conversation to, do, to identify the difference between features yeah. and benefits. Yeah. So if you talk about your IT case study with a service provider, the benefit to that specific person is they're not going to have a stressful life. They're going to be able to go pick their kids up from school yeah. and know that shit's going pear-shaped and the feature of the service yeah. of being accessible and contactable yeah. is looking after Absolutely. the service. Yeah. But the benefit yeah. is the person gets to go home and they're not yeah. staying at work late trying to solve the yeah. shit. They're actually outsourcing Absolutely. that problem. Or there could be some very specific measurable benefits that they want reduction of cost, um, uh, increased uh, quality, increased yeah. speed to market. But again, you're exactly right. It's about those outcomes and then what benefits help to achieve them. But it's all about the end. The end. Yeah, so, so um, from a sales, from, from a modern sales, if you like, if you still want to draw the line between marketing and sales, it's my view that, that the process of massive information gathering starts when the conversation starts, which is to get really specific about the unique elements, the concerns, the, you know, the outcomes they're looking for. Then it looks, then it's about ethically saying, I think, and you're, go, you're gonna have to tell me, I think that my service, and these are the components to my service, the features of my service, I think this service and these features talk to those outcomes. They, I think, now can you confirm that for me? Because I'm here and I know my business, this is your business, and we're gonna to have to have a two-way conversation yeah. to just ensure that what we've got and the elements of what we got dovetail into your organization. Then it's to, then, then it's to say, well, do you have enough information to make a decision? And if the client says, no, I don't, you say, okay, well, what, what, what are you concerned about? Yeah. And then in the old school terminology, it's about sales objections. Then they can say, oh, I, I don't think this is solved. Uh, I don't like this. This is not right. You know, and, and, and so it's the objections that give you your second round of information discovery 
so that you ensure that yes, there is your products or service that you sell yeah. actually dovetail into the outcomes that they're looking for. And, yeah. I, and I get... I, I agree with that, um, but I think in this day and age now, because there's so much research done online, the minute someone hears about you, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an, uh, an engineer, people are going to research and check you out. So you have to have some of that, a lot of that information has to be available up front. I agree. Uh, so that has to be up front. But I to agree. your point, as you get the working through those objections and so forth, does give you that, that, sec, that yeah, exactly. It's giving yeah. you that opportunity. Yeah, and absolutely. even if it's customization or yeah. tweaking or, yeah. or scale or size yeah. or capacity. Um, so, so where to from here for you? So we've got, this is an amazing book and I want everybody to get yourself a copy. Where, actually, where do people get a copy of the book from? So they can, they can get it at their favorite bookstore, Amazon, Booktopia. It's available in hard copy on, um, and in ebook format. Yep. Yeah. Terrific. So just search, listen, innovate, grow. Grow, and it's there written by myself and my co-author yep. and good colleague, uh, Gareth Chandler. Yeah, so it's available at your favorite bookstore. Um, yep. Fantastic. If so you've got comments or questions, comment below. If you're not following me on LinkedIn, you can find me at Kobe Simmet on LinkedIn. Uh, if you need to send me a direct message, if you've got a question, you've got a particular comment, please do that below. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and turn on your notifications so you will hear from us right here next time on Best Practice TV. Bye for now.